You're listening to The Bunker New York, live on Red Bull Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasnick, and we're here today with special guest Ryan Crossan, who's going to be playing us some music and some of his own tracks, some influences, and joining us for an interview around the middle of the show. So stay tuned for all of that. And right now we're just going to get right into the mix with Ryan Crossan. You're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio.
myself. I never expect to see you again. It's been a long time. Yes, ma'am. A lot of water under the bridge. Some of the old songs, Sam. Yes, ma'am. Bad luck to him. Play it once, Sam. For all time's sake. I don't know what you mean, Miss Elsa. Play it, Sam. Play as time goes by. Oh, I can't remember it, Miss Elsa. I'm a little rusty on it. I'll hum it for you. Listening to the Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. I'm your host Brian Kasnick, and we're here with my special guest Ryan Crossan, who's been in the mix for the whole show so far. 
Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. How's it going? Pretty good. Um, that was a very cool set. Thank you. And I'm thinking, well, I know you pretty well, but I'm guessing for a lot of listeners, maybe unexpected. Yeah, Here I would you say so. Yeah, music? perhaps. I mean, I've done a, <laughs> I've put out a couple like things on SoundCloud and all that, but no one follows me on SoundCloud, so no one no, no one knows what the heck I'm doing with this stuff. But I, I love putting together mixes like that, especially at home or if we have. Uh, when we would do like a, a label takeover or something at a club for the night just to to open with an hour of ambient or even more and just get to play different sort of tastes especially yeah. on a big sound system it's great yeah through all the years of doing the bunker i'm often the opening dj mm -hmm. because who i mean when you're throwing a party who else are you gonna book to open the party so yeah i've gotten well i've been into ambient music for a long time but that's when I get to play it a lot. Yeah, right. Big empty rooms before a big night. Yeah. Um, but right now we're hearing some music from a new album you have coming the end of October? Beginning yeah, of the October. 27th, I believe, is the date set for release, the vinyl. Right. And that's on your record label. On Vision Quest, yeah. And why don't you tell us some of the background behind this album? Because again, this is, I mean, at least for me, I was, I first heard this through my girlfriend, Catherine. So friend of yours, mm -hmm. and I was like blown away when I first heard yeah, these tracks. You. I was, and not when she told me it was you. I was just like, what? Like, yeah. I mean, we've we've the first time we did an album. Cesar's been a friend of mine for a really long time. Um, when my wife and I got together about ten years ago, he was really good friends with her. So when I would go to London, and she was at work, well, I'd be hanging out with him. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, we did the first. We did our first album in 2011 or 2012, and we sort of both really like jazz and like working with you know lots of layers in our music and so the first album was sort of it started as an EP for Wagon Repair and then when Matthew quit that he was like you know you guys have an interesting sort of sound here and try to develop it more into an album and so the first album was like maybe half dance floor stuff and then the set the other half not and which then, is not that's not super unusual for a techno no. like it does the techno album where you've got right a right, down right, tempo right. cut a couple ambient cuts right 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 there's the there's the formula <laughs> so <laughs> so that came out and we were happy with it and and you know uh, we got some good feedback on it and then you know people got busy and we just you know we lived in different cities so we weren't able to just kind of do something all the time and eventually we were like hey let's let's start it again or let's try to do something and in between the first album and then um cesar was getting really deep on a lot of modular synthesis which is the hype now but he was doing this like you know years ago and so he really kind of dropped everything and was was learning all this stuff about synthesis and so when we got back into it instead of making music like okay finish a track and then move on to the next one we were just doing lots more jamming like really really long cuts like yeah some of these album cuts started out and they were 25 minutes and we like we were like struggling to whittle them down to 13 which i mean it shouldn't be that much of a struggle but we did yeah so so we went through that and then over the course of doing that, we were also like, okay, who can, else can we get involved? So that we had a, a double bass player who was a friend of Cesar's in Berlin, and he, he loaned his double bass. And then that kind of kick-started how we were starting to work with live musicians as opposed to sampling other things. And so we just sort of slowly but surely built a core of artists that were either in Berlin or New York and just sort of kept working with them and kind of maybe having them record over one thing or multiple things and then maybe picking out okay this doesn't work here but maybe we can apply this here and then sort of like sampling what was recorded 
you know. Uh, yeah. it, Were you kind of jamming with them at all, or more record, giving them some direction and recording them, and then building music around those recordings and samples? It was more of a we would have we would lay down some frameworks, and then we would we would approach them and be like, okay, let's do you want to maybe try to record over this, and then. It went through sort of uh, okay some some takes while we were with them in the room and be like okay that was cool but why don't we do another pass sort of like this and why don't we do another pass sort of like that and then we would we would go through and kind of of those long jam sessions of 20 minutes or more we would kind of compact everything and right. move things around to to as sort of like a jigsaw puzzle to make it work um, yeah and then in some other cases it was even. Um, yeah, like some recordings, like the thing with Greg Paulus on Nordic Bummers with the trumpet. He recorded oh, that's he, he recorded okay. with me a whole a track that wasn't even supposed to be on the album. It was just like, hey, me and him at my house one night, like, brr, brr. Yeah. And then we were, I, I played it for Cesar, and he's like, no, this is terrible. And he's like, but. And then he was like, why don't we take the trumpet and put it on this? And then it was like, oh, magic. Okay, okay. good. Yeah. So luckily it worked out in, in some places like that. And... Anytime there, you know, it was nice to work with with musicians because it was like anytime that if we had to smooth out something or whatever, most of them were in Berlin. So it was like we were able to, while we were Cesar in a session, he was like, hey, come over. We went over there and able to work with them. So do you have, whose studio we're using to do all this? Because recording, you know, live I mean, it acoustic musicians is a different yeah. thing than... It wasn't the most... Um, <laughs> professional of, of setups. I mean, well, Julian Quinton has an amazing, he has this amazing flat in Berlin where I don't know if it used to be like an old TV center or whatever the whole building was, but he's got these amazing parquet floors and he's got his, like his grand piano set up in there. And he has a, like uh, his, he has a, his own tech. So his tech would come over and set up all these mics all over his loft in his space. And so we would get a little bit of like the oh, outside wow. traffic going by. We had four different mics to record him on. And then we kind of mixed them how we felt appropriate. So that was like the at its best. And then, you know, sometimes we'd be crammed in Cesar's back room, his studio room, and trying to fit two of us in a double bass player in there and a couple of mics. And sometimes it was like that. Um, the guitars were all kind of recorded properly because um, we had some ideas that we sent to Heinrich. And, uh, and in New York, I met um, this guy, Alex Hamedi, and then I went to his studio and he, we were able to have a nice controlled environment for those. Um, but yeah, some stuff was recorded pristinely and some not, but I think, yeah, it was okay. Well, yeah, in the end, it's not the, the songs themselves are not live. So there's all kinds of processing and things mm -hmm. you can do. And there's, like you said, so many layers to this, this music, these tracks, very cool. Um, so speaking of studios, you mentioned earlier when we were talking about like dropping a fairly significant wad of cash on yeah. some studio gear. Um, <laughs> over the years, have you, have you, I imagine you've probably got, as you've been doing this for what, you said 12 years? Yeah. Gotten more, there. have you turned into like more and more of a serious I wouldn't studio consider gear guy? I, or wouldn't no? sell, I wouldn't no. say I'm like a, a complete gearhead. I have, a, I mean, a decent amount of gear, but I'm not like a... A purist in any way like you have to like oh it's got to be all about gear and all that I think it's about finding whatever works best for you and and just st sticking to that you know the, the the whole point is to get the best out of yourself and whatever you're able to use to do that then I think that's what you should do yeah I think when I first I had to like go back and look up some stuff on my own website to figure out when I first <laughs> met you because it's a long time ago 
It seems like the first the first time the first one I could remember, and I think it's the very first one, is when you played the bunker was on in April of two thousand six yeah. at Subtonic. Yeah. It was your, yeah, I think it was Seth Seth Troxler's maybe his first gig outside of Detroit or one of um, could have been. I don't. I don't know. That 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 part's really fuzzy. Because I. I mean, do you remember if that was before or after the whole Panorama Bar? Because he went over to Panorama. Oh, that's right. He Omar to, S took him to Panorama right. Bar, right? He went. He went. His because like, I joined him his second time there, but his first time there, he went with Omar and he did like Panorama Bar and he went. He was like hanging out at Sonar and all that nonsense. But yeah, so he went. But that might have maybe been his only other. Yeah, I shot can't remember if that was know. before or after. I mean, I think I think he was actually Young's like Young his, Seth. That Young was the Seth handle. On, yeah. was the handle on the flyer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a long time ago. Yeah, good old days. That was right? when uh, Andrew Lockheed would drive you guys yeah. from Detroit. Yeah. Good old Andrew. He's great. <laughs> because we couldn't afford flights <laughs> from Detroit yeah. to New York. I've um. made that I think I've done that that drive just simply to play like three or four times. Like definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it happened what well, happened quite a bit after that. Um I know I met all you guys in Detroit in wait, it was Seth and Lee's basement yeah when yep. i came to play definitely and then it was shortly after that that you guys mm -hmm. all came so, you were playing at oslo right yeah, yeah with yeah, ivy yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah unjust and then we went back to oslo to see moody man the next night mm -hmm. moody man was playing at oslo and ivy and i were like Moody Man's playing at Oslo. This is the most incredible thing ever. We yeah. have to go. And you guys were like, ah, it does that shit like every weekend, yeah. whatever. <laughs> but we made you guys go and it was really fun. Yeah. Um, but anyways, around then, I think is when I first heard your productions. The first thing was the, the Berg Nixon on Minus. Yeah, the so Minus thing. God, that way was back. awful. <laughs> that was like, oh God, it was like such amateur hour. Does it I mean, I, I probably haven't heard it since it's 2006. So it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. Like, um, but anyways, I just wanted to talk about maybe <laughs> the inspiration you were getting from Detroit or possibly specifically Houghton and just asking like, what was going on in Detroit in like the mid 2000s I mean, at that time, when you guys were coming up there? Yeah. I mean, at that time it was, it was a lot of influence from I mean Paxaha was really before before they did the festival even they had you know they had that internet radio thing that they would also broadcast from a lot of their events and, all that. and they, that was great you know coming up and having that resource to hear all these different mixes from out-of-towners and all that at any moment was fantastic but I mean during that time at least for me the city was sort of like Paxaha minus ghostly like that was bam that was it yeah and so that that's what untitled, and, and the untitled, untitled guys, time, right? yeah, yeah. I, I count that as sort of ghostly, that's ghostly even though I shouldn't but that's who I was no, like come that, on. That's yeah ghostly. but I was that was I was mainly kind of uh that was kind of who I was running with and that was sort of like was that like where I was going around with and it was like you know the time of you know Perlon was getting exposed like even though they had been around five years before it was finally getting over I mean they, they got they were getting into Detroit in like 2001 2002 that's when they started yeah they started coming over so, once in a while and the compact guys and all that stuff and so we really gravitated towards more of a European sound than we did a Detroit sound at least with what we were playing and I mean, we were just playing more after hours sort of stuff I guess you could quote unquote say that um, at that was, time. Was there a lot of music? I mean, I guess there's always music coming out of Detroit, but I, I also remember things feeling very um, Eurocentric in the mid 
2000, like in that period. Yeah, for I sure. think so. I mean, at least that's that's more of what I was paying attention to. I guess. I mean, I don't remember. I mean, I think Stacy was Stacy was doing stuff at that time, and I mean, Three Chairs was always doing stuff, and there was always things here and there, but there wasn't like a strong push, you know. I mean, we were like, you know, like you said, we were at the works constantly. We were at Oslo, Paxahal was doing things here and there. Yeah, we had um, we had Chuck on the show. I don't know a couple months ago, and mm -hmm. we talked a lot about those early days and the internet archive you're talking about yeah. and when Paxahal did all the parties in Detroit during the festival before they took over the festival and yeah it was a lot of a lot of minus a lot of Perlon yeah um, yeah compact they did a lot of with the the Mutech guys the Montreal guys came down a yeah. lot Mike and then from Kitchener like Toronto um Mike and Caulfield and Jay Hunsberger and Scott um and they you know they were the ones who really kind of they, they were bringing Matt Johnson um, when he was still in Victoria, Todd, Conrad Black, all those cats as well. Yeah, Matthew Johnson. Um, so at some point you moved, when did you move from Detroit 2007. to Berlin? Yeah, Two, yeah 2000, was it 2006 or was it 2007? I was 26, so yeah, 2007, June, June 1st, 2007. Wow, so that was only like a year after I met you guys and you played the bunker, then you moved. It just seems like you I were feel in New like York I, so much that was year. It? But I feel like, I feel like, no, no really? Because I felt like we, it couldn't have gone that fast. Was, uh, there was no way I was in New York like six times in a year. Uh, I mean, we could debate this for a while, but I it's mean, not, I mean, I was doing the bunker weekly then, and <laughs> that was, that was right when... Uh, Wolf and Lamb was doing a lot of stuff then when too. They, when they founded the Marcy, and mm -hmm. I was I was basically doing all the bookings for the Marcy. So between the beginning of the Marcy and the bunker being weekly, we were doing a lot, and we were doing. I remember we did some parties at twelve turn. I know there was that one was the at good 12 one. Turn twelve turn thirteen was a blast. Yeah, that was really good. I think that was. And we the, did Miss Williamsburg after that, right? Yes. Yeah, that was a chance. And that was the weekend you guys drove yeah, yeah, yeah. from Detroit <laughs> I'm pretty sorry I'm pretty I'm, I'm, I'm surprised we were still alive after everybody's that still alive yep which is good everybody's still alive yep. everybody's spread lessons out learned um, you know we all had seatbelts on it's a start so um, that's great but do you I felt like you guys were definitely you guys being Vision Quest which is you Lee Curtis Seth Troxler and Sean Reeves well, Reeves was already in Berlin, but it, it seemed like you guys kind of went to Berlin at the right time to me and had this collective American thing that people were hungry for in some way. It just seemed like it really, to me, I'm interested in your perspective on it, but it just seemed like things really started working out for you guys when you got to Berlin. It did. Like, I think it, it clicked. Like, we, we kind of went on a, I don't want to say a whim, but it was like, um, I was kind of fed up with my job and broke up with a longtime girlfriend. Lee was unemployed. Seth had just finished design school and Sean was already there. And so we went over 2007 and like for the first couple of years, like it took a minute to sort of click. And then I think when we started doing more of the remixes and just click, like doing, trying to press the issue as a unit and then turning that into the label, then that really kicked off. So I think, I mean, we launched the label in 2011, so I think maybe like just before that, like mid 2009, after about two years, it really started working itself. And then you know, each of us had different releases with different labels, so that was helping a bit. Different networks. A bit, but it wasn't like you know we weren't 
you know, Seth wasn't all in with Crosstown or Lee wasn't all in with Get Physical or whoever the heck he was working with, you know? It was like, I, yeah, I just don't remember off the top of my head. But anyway, um, and then we were still we were still in touch with like doing stuff with the Wolf and Lamb guys and this and that. So we still had a foot um, in the States. So yeah, I think like, like mid 2009, early 2010, it really started kicking off and, and going well. I mean, I know the thing that jump started Seth was that the RA podcast where he pretty much did all, I think it was like all Wolf and Lamb catalog yeah. thing. And that, I don't know, people freaked out about that. And then that really jump-started his, his whole thing. But I, don't, I, don't, I can't remember the year off the top of my head. I could be way off. Yeah. But I think that's kind of close. Yeah, I remember that mix. And then he did another mix for RA that was like had cat power and all this indie rock music in it. Mm -hmm. Anyways, um, but you guys have also kept a foothold in the States, and I think a lot of people in the States probably know you from your uh, the party you guys do in Detroit every right, year, if right. you want to talk about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, need I, I say more? Um, the first one was, uh, was in the back of a, a now-defunct Mexican restaurant called Agave, and um, yeah, we just kind of threw it together on a whim. We had come back from you know, an extended stay in Berlin at the time. We were like, yeah, let's just do something. Da, 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 da. And we put together a really whack sound system, but that was a terror. Was that that part? That was the, it was like two Mackies on sticks and a crappy sub. Yeah. Yeah. It was rough, but it was a really good party. It was, it was a, a good damn party. good party. And, um, so the, and then the next year, our friend Maggie, bless her. Um, she knew about the old Miami and we approached them with the idea and they were down with it and then each year you know it was it was an open air on the Monday outside a festival and the first couple of years you know festival didn't really know about it or care about it because it was like small potatoes and it's sort, it sort of grown and grown and grown and grown and now it's um yeah it's pretty full-on every year on the Monday and now you guys you don't announce the lineup no we you don't well, even we announce it like four hours before you don't even do you even announce that the party is happening. Yeah, we kind of do. I mean, we do it eventually. I mean, we, we're not like sitting there pushing it in, you know, January. Hey, Dump's coming up. Yeah. But we drop a little thing here, a little thing there on social media, and then Seth will finally get the flyer done about two weeks before. But I mean, I think it's pretty well. I like I like it that we're not having to ram it down people's throats, and it's grown really organically and just being like, okay. The word of mouth thing is nice and all that, and every year, it's funny, every year we're like, oh man, we should have promoted more, da 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 and then by 11 a.m. we're like, nah, we're okay, we're Yeah, here. no, okay. I pulled, I always, go, I mean, we always do, I do No Way Back with Interdimensional Transmissions right, right, right. the night before, and then it's kind of the tradition that we go right there, and when we pulled up this year, I told my cab driver, I'm like, yeah, I don't think they announced this party, and he was just like, no. No, that's not possible because at the time I pull up, it always has a line. Yeah, the line was literally pretty, around the block. Pretty ridiculous this year, but I mean, I, I mean, we could always move it faster, but there's only so much we can do, and there's only so many people we can get in fast enough, and we try to do the best we can. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's it's grown well, and uh, yeah, it's it's not broke, so I don't want to try to do too much and and over extend us to make it, you know uncomfortable or anything like that for for people that are um attending and outside of that you're still you guys are still performing as vision quest sometimes or not really no we we when seth seth left at the end of 2013 to do his own thing and now he's doing the other things with martinez brothers and all that um and the thing was it's like you know 
For a while, we did the the like the three-way DJ tag thing on different. It was different combinations. You know, sometimes it was me, Sean, and Lee, or me, Sean, and Seth, or blah blah. blah. And sometimes it's good and all that. But the thing was, is like we weren't touring together all the time. So if you're not doing that all the time, sometimes you're not in that rhythm, you know. And yeah. and I think and I think once we found that, you know. Uh, there was like maybe one or two times where we weren't like crushing it and we weren't all on the same page and after that we're like you know what if we're not delivering why why force it why do you have to do that you know your job you know go up and play a nice set and if that means playing separately play separately it's cool yeah back to backs can be really hard even yeah with, even with good friends it's just it's well, yeah, a very just, delicate balance yeah. to get that right yeah and so if with three people it was just like yeah you know what we're not if we were touring together as vision quest all the time and doing all of our dates as three of us and then maybe we we're taking a one-off here a one-off there all right then we would continue doing it like but that Ap apollonia style right apollonia like they've they've nailed the 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 three-way rotation as far as back-to-back -back sets go and and great great on them because they're awesome guys um and they play great music but it was just something that we we weren't traveling together enough and if it if it wasn't the best we could possibly be we didn't want to do it because then we felt cheap, like like oh, maybe we get a just to do it just to get a bigger fee. That's that's whack. That fuck. Sorry. Yeah. But no, you can it. you can okay, swear. We're no, on the fuck radio. That. We're on so, the internet. Yeah, I mean, yeah. not the so, radio. So <laughs> so it's just like you know. I think we made the right decision of you know let's let's still do Vision Quest label nights and all that, but let's let's make it the best music it can possibly be because that's why people are there. So no sense enforcing this this thing. Right. You know, this group sort of mentality. So in January when I saw you all, that was like a special Yeah. That, that's does is not happening. Yeah, really. that that's probably won't happen. Who knows when that will happen again. <laughs> um but that was like a yeah, that was a sick party at BPM. That was fun. That was awesome. It was like and you know what's funny is right when we were getting lunch, Sean texted me, he's like, Yo, I got the recording from BPM. It's dope. And <laughs> and he's like, Yeah, all like he's like the, the the opening is just like, you know, old times, all the classics are covered, like all of our friend classics and all that we're like yeah okay nice so I'm, I'm excited to hear that one cool um so what else should we talk about do you have any other releases you um, want to shout out i mean we've mentioned the album well we got the album me and cesar have another uh sort of dance ep that'll be slated for 2018 um for 2017 i did a remix for seth on his play at say it label of this guy mechanism french guy uh, he did a, like an acid album for Seth earlier in the year, so I did sort of a breakbeat remix for that. And then uh, earlier in October, just before the album comes out, I did an EP with uh, Matthew Johnson. We recorded this track in 2015, like this just face-melting acid techno big-ass track. And then we were just like, all right, cool, and you know, nothing came of it. And then I saw Matt maybe a year, year and a half later. He's like, dude, this is this track's actually really cool. Let's let's do a B-side. And so after he was down, I, we figured out a time to do it uh, after Cesar and I were done with the album and just went in and actually Cesar and Matt's fiance are on the B-side. So we're all kind of like working together on that. And then that'll be out early October. So yeah, some things here and there. Okay. So you have a lot, you have a lot coming up soon then. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, well, thanks a lot for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having gonna me. going to have man. you close out the show and play some more music. Um, you ready to go? Yeah, ready to go. Cool. And if it wasn't clear, the tracks you've been hearing in the background throughout the interview are from the upcoming album with Cesar. Um, so I'm your host, Brian Kasnick. We're here with Ryan Crossan. He's going to play for the rest of the show. This is The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. Red Bull Radio.
Please 
Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York. We're coming to an end here. We've been in the mix with our special guest, Ryan Crossan. Um, look out for his album, which is coming out at the end of October on Vision Quest uh, with Cesar Merville. And uh, yeah, another 12-inch coming out next month with Matthew Johnson. And uh, for all Bunker-related news, go to thebunkerny.com. And yeah, right now you're actually hearing a track from the collaborative VP with Matthew Johnson. He's a good friend of the bunker. So thanks for tuning in. We've got a few minutes left here. You've been listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio.
Thank you.